Hebrews 11, 7. One verse today. Here we go. Verse 7 says, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Father in heaven, I thank you for uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, Father, I thank you for this, this driving chapter, Lord, that, that Lord, we, we can't help but get the point that, that faith is a big deal, that we are connected to you by faith, we're, we're joined to Jesus by faith, we, we receive the grace of your salvation through faith. Father, I pray, God, make us people of faith. Lord, in every practical nuts and bolts daily walk of our life, God, help us to respond to you in faith. We pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to teach us and to instruct us today. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you remember last week, if you were here last week, we started Hebrews chapter 11. What we said we were going to do was last week we were going to set up kind of a framework, okay? So we emphasized verse 1, really, mostly, and verse 6. Those were kind of the two main hitters in last week's sermon. And what we did is we tried to, tried to basically frame up a, uh, uh, a framework for, for this is what faith is, this is how faith works, this is how faith is designed, this is the process of faith. And now the rest of our weeks in Hebrews chapter 11, we'll probably have a couple more, uh, is going to be grabbing these, these men of faith, okay? So Noah, Abraham, Moses, you know, we're going to grab them and we're, we're going to work them into the framework that we learned that what is faith, what's the process of faith, how does faith work, okay? So today we're talking about Noah, okay? Today is just one verse here out of Hebrews chapter 11. We're talking about the biblical character of of Noah, by the way, we've got a Noah's Ark that's, uh, I, th- I think it's to scale. It's Randall Gables, but it's sitting out right against that wall over there. You might look at it when you go through, just kind of get a mental picture of what that might have been like. But we're going to look at the story of Noah, okay? We're going to look at it from the perspective of faith. So what we find here in verse 7 right away is that by faith, Noah being warned by God, okay? Stop right there. And, and, and this fits into, again, last week's uh, framework of faith. We understand that faith happened in Noah's life, first of all, because he heard the word of God, okay? Remember that faith is always connected to hearing the word of God, okay? Faith is not just this kind of fuzzy feeling you get in your tummy, you know, just everything's going to be okay, you just kind of believe it, okay? That's not faith. That's probably too many donuts through the line this morning. That may be Mexican food that you ate last night, but that's not faith. Faith is always a response to the word of God in your life, okay? So it's a response to the character of God and to the word of God. And so what we find here in, in verse seven is, is the, the exact same thing holds true in Noah's life, that Noah heard the word of God, okay? God spoke the word of God to Noah. God revealed to Noah that the world was sinful and corrupt and that God was gonna judge the world for the sin of mankind. And Noah received the truth of God's word that God was gonna show mercy on Noah and mercy on his family by saving them through the means of an ark. Now, notice again, another principle about faith. It says in verse 7 that by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, okay? So Noah receives the word of God, but that word that Noah receives, he cannot visibly, tangibly 
see evidence of it in front of him, okay, physically, okay, with his eyes, with his nose, with his, with his ears. Noah, Noah, Noah is trusting God for the unseen. Now, go back up in chapter 11, verse 1, and notice this, this fits right into our definition of faith. Verse 1 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen, okay? So Noah receives this word of God that God's going to flood the earth. God's going to judge the, 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 the earth, judge mankind uh, by water. And, and this, is, this is physically nothing that Noah can comprehend. Partly because we, most scholars believe it had not even rained at this time. If we go back into Genesis, in Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, it says, These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created, and the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And when no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was, there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Now, I don't know that we know definitively what, what the world looked like in Noah's day, but we know that beginning early on in creation, it was very different than it is now, okay? If you've been outside this morning, which you had to do to get here, you know there's no mist, is there? there there's no mist at all out there, all right? There's a lot of wind and a lot of hot air. Soon to be cold air, I hear. But there's no mist. There's no canopy surrounding the earth. So we know that things were very different early on in the creation account and maybe so even into Noah's day. But what we know for sure is that Noah could not comprehend a worldwide flood. Noah probably could not comprehend a ship. You know, he'd probably never been in a boat. From what we know, Noah lived up in kind of the area around the Tigris and Euphrates River. There was no ocean near that area. Noah had probably never, never been on the ocean, never, certainly never seen a, a boat or a ship the, the size that, that, that's described to him in Genesis chapter 6 that God is telling him to build. Okay, and so Noah's, Noah's experience does not allow him to have evidence of what God is telling him to do. And so Noah's got to believe the word of God. He's got to be convinced of the unseen. And the Bible says that we are convinced of the unseen by faith, okay? Now, if you remember from last week, we looked in chapter 1, it said, faith is the conviction, which in the King James Version is the substance, okay, the substance of things unseen, all right? So it's the, it's the evidence or the substance. There's two words used there. And we looked in Hebrews 1, 3, and we saw that we believe what the Bible is telling us there is that by faith, we're able to almost reach out into the future and to grab onto what God is telling us and to experience some of that right now, okay? Okay? It's kind of like, like Noah was able to both taste the horrors of God's judgment and the hope for he and his family by believing, by trusting in the word of God. In other words, the word of God was so real in Noah's life. That's what faith is. It's embracing that word to such a degree that you're able to say, man, I believe it. It's coming. I see it. And, you know, I can't see it with my physical eyes, but, but, I, but I'm completely convinced in the unseen reality that God is telling me to believe. And my friends, faith always, faith always in every instance, faith always reaches out and grabs the unseen realities of God's word, okay? So for us today, um, God's not going to flood the world again. He told us that he would not do that. However, in Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 31, here, here's what God says about judgment. God says in verse 31, because he has fixed, God has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. 
And so really, you and I are kind of in the same boat. We have this unseen reality, okay? So the Bible tells us that, that God is fixed today. It's, it's already fixed. It's not changing. It's immovable. There is a day in the coming future in which God will judge the world, okay? The, the Bible says it's not going to happen by water. It's going to happen by fire. But there, there, Christ is going to come, and there's going to be a judgment on all those who are not joined by faith to Jesus Christ. That is an unseen reality that we, like Noah, must reach out and grab onto. And as we embrace that, as we really believe that, we're, we're, we're going to be able to taste some of that. We're, we're going to be able to experience some of that. It's going to be so real to us that we're going to be willing to, to step out in faith in our lives and be obedient to it. There, there's all kinds of unseen realities in the scripture. Hell and judgment are unseen realities. Many of the promises of God to us are unseen realities. You know, when you open up your Bible and Romans 8, 28 says God works all things together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. You may be in a situation right now in your life and you're like, man, I, I have no idea. I cannot imagine how God is going to work this together for good. Or may, maybe uh, Matthew 6, 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. And man, you, you just can't imagine how putting Christ first in your life, you know, with all you got going, putting Jesus as the main thing, you can't see, you can't see with your physical eyes how that's going how, how to make all things okay for you. you. You can't see it because it's an unseen reality. God's care and provision are at times unseen realities. God asks us to step out in faith. Man, the, 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 the faculty and staff of Northeastern Baptist College, I was so humbled to, to sit down and eat with them this past week and just realize that the president of the college had left his position at an established church and moved his wife and son here, and they had been living for a year in a one room, one room, part of, a, 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 of an old church there in Bennington, just stepping out that God's going to provide for him. You know, and I asked him, I said, you know, tell me about your financial needs. And he said, honestly, Jason, he said, there's not a Monday that happens that we know how we're going to pay the bills on Friday. And he said, we're just okay with that. We believe that God has called us here. What, what are they doing? They're living in an unseen reality. They're saying God said he's going to take care of us. God said he's going to provide for us. And, and so we believe that. And part of believing that is we're okay in this situation. We're okay not knowing how we're going to make it from Monday to Friday. We're okay with that because we have the word of God as the conviction of an unseen reality. The consequences of sin are at times unseen realities, right? I mean, there are many times where we read the Word of God and the Bible says, man, this activity is wrong. This activity will, will, will lead you to, to misery and to destruction and, and, and to be separated from God and not to have fellowship with God. And in our minds, man, it seems like that's good for me. It seems like this is the right thing, the best decision. But, but faith is reaching out and saying, no, man, I trust God's Word so much so that it scares me to, to, to do that. It scares me to live in sin because that unseen reality is so real in my life. Many times the justice of God on those who sin against us is at times an unseen reality, right? You know, God tells us, hey, you just need to forgive. You need to turn the other cheek. You need to put their sin on the cross. And Romans 12 tells us that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And there are times where we just can't see that, you know? I mean, we want the vengeance we can see, right? Like like your fist hitting their face, right? We're like, I can see that, you know? I mean, that makes sense to me. That's a seen reality, you know, where everybody thinking bad of them or you slandering them and everybody telling you how, how horrible they are and how good you are. Those are seen realities. But God is saying, no. Faith, faith lives on the unseen reality. It says, God, I, I, I see your word. I trust your word. I believe your character. You won't lie to me. And, and that's so real to me that, that I'm comforted and encouraged. And, and I experience the reality of what you're telling me in the word of God. 
Okay? The reward of a life centered on Jesus, serving Jesus, is at times an unseen reality. So, so we have all these unseen realities, and what faith does is it embraces what God says about those things to the point that, that we reach out and we experience them in some way. It's almost like having a check from somebody that you completely trust. Okay? You know, is there anybody in your life that you're so convinced of their love and care for you, and you're so convinced of their, their financial security, that when they give you a check, like immediately, like let's say you had this big bill, you know, and you did some work for them, and you got this big, these medical bills you got to pay, and you're really worried about it, and you're struggling, and, and they, they, they give you a check for maybe work that you did for them. And you're so convinced of their goodness, and their character, and their morals, that, that all, the check alone... The check alone, having that check in your possession, whew, you know, it's like, wow, I'm, things are okay. You haven't even put it in the bank yet. It's not yours. You don't have any money. You just have a piece of paper that has some words on it, okay? But you're so convinced of their character and their reputation and what they have that the check alone does it for you, okay? Charles Spurgeon describes God's promises as faith's checkbook, okay? And so when Noah hears the word of God, it's like God's writing him a check. You know, Noah, man, here's what's going to happen. Here's the bill on the earth. There's going to be judgment, and here's the check I'm writing you. You build this ark, and your family's going to be saved, so much so that Noah's like, man, that's it. I believe it. I've embraced the reality, the unseen reality so much so that Noah begins to act on the word of God. Okay, now you remember last week, one of the, one of the things that we set forth as, as a framework of faith is that faith does a couple things. The process of faith is this. Faith hears the word of God, believes the word of God, and always acts on the word of God. Okay, those three things, believes the word of God, uh, hears the word of God, believes the word of God, and acts on the word of God. And so, radically, here's what happens. Noah, Noah has faith. Verse seven says, by faith, my faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Okay? So, so Noah really believed the word of God. He embraced the word of God as true. And because of that, he responded with his hands and feet and mind and, and, and with his life, with his family, with his future. Everything was a response to Noah's faith. Again, as we pointed out last week, if Noah had not had a faith response, Noah would not have been saved, okay? So, so Noah would have been the kind of guy that says, man, I heard the word of God today, guys. God says he's going to judge the world, and the only way to be saved is through an ark. And guys, I really believe that he's telling the truth, and I believe the character of God. But then Noah goes out and, and hangs out at the coffee shop for 120 years and never builds an ark. We would have to seriously question whether Noah really had faith. Okay? There, there really isn't a faith that does not work, not a biblical faith anyway. Faith always has a response. And, and so Noah radically responds to the word of God really every day for, you know, most scholars think 120 years. They get that from the beginning of Genesis 6 where God says, my spirit will not dwell with man. Uh, my spirit will only be with man for 120 years and then there's destruction. And so most people think that, that from the time uh, of, of, of God giving that word to the time of, of the flood was around 120 years um, and, and, and Noah began to live in faith from that point on. You know, let me just ask you this question. Is it possible to believe this book? Is it possible to believe the character and, and the promises and the truth that God sets forth in his word and it not transform you? I, I just don't think it is. I don't think it's possible to say, man, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And I believe that he's going to do exactly what he says he's going to do. But that doesn't change my tomorrow. 
That didn't change my life. That didn't change my schedule. That doesn't change how I feel about other people. It doesn't change my mission. It doesn't change my finances. Friends, if that is you today, if you're living a life that says, you say with your mouth, I believe that Jesus is who this book says he is and he's going to do what he says he's going to do, but it is not radically or in some way progressively changing your life, I don't believe that you have a biblical faith because a biblical faith acts. It acts. We've got this great sequence of verses in Genesis chapter 6 where, where we find the, the account of the flood. And let, let, me, let me read some of those to you. Genesis 6, um, let's begin in um, verse 22. Genesis 6, 22. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Then chapter 7, uh, look at verse 5. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Now go to uh, uh, verse 9. Two by two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah as God had commanded Noah. Now go to verse uh, 16. And those who entered, male and female, of all flesh went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Do you you notice the sequence there? Man, Noah did all that God commanded him continually, day after day, year upon year, decade after decade. Noah spent his life obeying and, and in faith to the word of God that he had received. You know, know, the faith that makes it for the long haul is an impressive faith. If you remember kind of what led us into chapter 11, uh, let me just give you a key verse. Chapter 10, verse 36. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. How many folks do you know in your circle of friendships and relatives and maybe people you've gone to church with? And man, it seemed that for a season, they responded in faith. For a season, they embraced the, the unseen realities of God and his word, and then they stepped out in faith, but, but things happened, and, and pretty soon they, they, they fell away from that. They didn't endure in faith. Man, you know, the great thing about Noah is, man, this guy did everything God commanded. He trusted God, and in his faith, he lived that out to the end. And man, aren't we glad? Because I, I don't know a lot about boats. Many of you guys have boats and you own boats and you're, you, you go out on the lake all the time. But, but I, I think I do know this. Half a boat does not float, right? I, I mean, for Noah to, you know, start on the deal, you know, for him to be great guns. He hears the word of God, man, out of the gate. There he goes, hammering, sawing, cutting down trees, you know, putting on pitch like, like the Bible tells him to. And then pretty soon he got disgruntled and he, he got a little upset with God. Things went wrong, you know. You know, he had labor disputes with his workers, whatever. Things got hard. He stopped having his quiet time, stopped worshiping. Pretty soon he, he's building less and less on the boat until finally he's like, you know what, we'll just put this off for now. Man, that would have been a tragic deal for Noah, okay? Because it's hard to get in a one-sided boat and think that you're going to be okay. Faith endures. Faith endures. Noah had immediate, full, complete obedience. Notice in in Genesis 6, 6, it said, Noah did according to all, all that the Lord had commanded him. Man, I I, I bet you if we could just talk, I, I bet you that many of you would say, you know, Pastor, one of my biggest struggles is, is delayed obedience. You know, I know what God wants me to do. I've heard the word of God, and I just keep putting it off. Or, or maybe you would say, you know, Pastor, one, one of my biggest struggles is partial obedience. You know, I mean, I, I, I kind of want to do half what God tells me to. I don't really want to step out all the way. I just want to do enough to make me feel that I'm okay, that, that I'm kind of obeying God. And Noah didn't do that. When God tells you to 
to give sacrificially and generously. Man, do you have immediate, full, complete obedience? Or, or do you come up with 10 great reasons why it's unwise to, to go in all, all in right now? When God tells you to confess your sin to the one that you've sinned against, do you justify it in your mind by saying, well, you know, I'll just be extra nice to them? God, that's just as good. Do you ever try to make a trade-off with God? You know, God, I know you're telling me to do this, but this is just as good, right? Here, here's my replacement offer to you. I'm countering your offer, you know? You're kind of in a real estate deal with God, you know? God makes an offer and you counter, you know? God, well, instead of doing this, God, I'll, I'll, I'll do something different, but it's close. Noah did all that God commanded him. Man, how easy would it have been for Noah to alter, you know? So, well, God, you know, I think this is probably true, but, man, the thing you're, you're asking me to build is, is huge, you know? It's bigger than a football field. God, how, how about a small raft? You know, there's only eight of us, God, and we don't need all the animals, right? I mean, do you really need all of them? I mean, can't we leave the snakes behind? Yeah, you know, I mean, God, you really didn't mean all the animals. You probably want me to kind of decide on this deal, who gets on and who doesn't get on, Right? I mean, the mosquitoes, they're out for sure, you know. We're going to swat them right away. You don't have to swat one. Wouldn't that be awesome, you know? Then we, we're, we're good. You could have saved us a lot. Uh, Noah responded in complete, immediate obedience. Why? The Bible's very clear about that. Because he had faith. He believed. Faith. Guys, faith works, Okay. Let me just give you a quick overview of this chapter. What you're going to find is all these examples of faith. And what you're not going to find in this chapter, you're not going to find people whom it says, by faith, they had a really great feeling on the inside. Okay? Now, and I'm not saying that faith can't give you a really great feeling on the inside. I think, again, chapter, chapter 11, verse 1 talks about faith grabbing on to these, these promises of God that are coming for us. I, I, I think it, we do have an experience of that. But you're not going to find that in chapter 11. You're not going to find this, 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 somebody in chapter 11 who had this faith that they kept to themselves. You know, they were a really private person. And so, so their faith was all on the inside and not on the outside. You're not going to find that in chapter 11. What you're going to find in chapter 11 is that, is that faith builds an ark and faith moves you across the country and faith causes you to offer up your son and sacrifice as Abraham and faith causes Moses to, to, to leave his Egyptian inheritance and, and the Israelites to cross the Red Sea and Rahab to rescue the spies. And over and over again, you're going to see that faith works. It has action to it. It's how we see faith. How do you see faith? That's a good question, isn't it? Is there kind of a purple haze over people with faith? You know, do, you, do they have a rash? Um, you know, what, how, do they talk different? I, I guess that would probably be true. But, I mean, that's a great question. How do we see faith? And, and by the way, I think it's a good question because I think you can see faith. I think that's what Hebrews 11 is telling us, that when you see Noah pick up his hammer and his saw and spend the rest of his, not the rest of his life, but the next 100 years building an ark, okay, you're seeing faith there. Okay? When Abraham hears the word of God and, and God tells him, hey, Abraham, I'm going to give you this country you've never seen before and your descendants are going to be as many as the stars of the heaven and the sand of the sea. Go. And Abraham packs up all his stuff and goes, you're seeing faith. That's how you see faith. Mark chapter 2, listen to this. I'll give you a, a gospel illustration. Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, when he had returned, this is Jesus, to Capernaum. After some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Verse 4. 
And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, did you see it? When Jesus saw their faith. Okay, now you can interpret that a couple of different ways. You can interpret it, well, Jesus is the son of God, and so he, has, he, he can do things we can't. Um, and so, like, he was seeing inside of them that they had faith. I, I think that's not, a good, that's not a good interpretation of that passage. I, I think the context and what we know about Jesus' incarnation would, would really lead us to interpret it this way. Their action demonstrated faith to Jesus. I mean, they were relentless. We got a buddy here who's paralyzed, and we believe, Jesus, you're the answer. Man, you're the answer to this, Jesus. We believe in your character. We believe in what you, what, what you say about yourself and what other people have said about you. We believe in you, Jesus, and so we are going to be unstoppably relentless in getting our friend to you. If we got to tear the roof off and lower him down, we're going to do it. And when Jesus sees their, their passion to get their friend to him, he says, man, that, that's faith. I see their faith. I see their faith in their action. Here's an interesting question for you theologians. Was Noah saved by faith or works? Faith or works? It's actually a trick question, isn't it? Okay. Um, we, we know that, that indeed Noah had faith. That's what Hebrews eleven seven 7 is telling us. We know that a man is justified by, by faith in, in God. Okay, we, we understand that theologically. But what we also understand is that, that Noah was saved by a faith that works. That's, that's probably the best, that's the, way, the best way to answer that, isn't it? Noah was saved by a faith that works. Okay? Now, you can't be saved by your own good deeds. You can't be saved by works. The Bible tells us that. No man will be justified by, by his works, by his good deeds. In other words, the way, the way to get saved is not, is not to go out and do good things and, and try to be better than other people. Man, you're, you're never going to get to heaven that way. It's only by a faith connection to the, to, to the, to the work and the, and the ministry and the person of Jesus Christ. All right, but, but what we see in Noah's case and in, in everybody else's really is that genuine faith lives itself out and works. That, that's actually what James tells us. James chapter 2. Let me read you a couple of verses out of chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? And then to apply that particularly to the life of Noah, if Noah had said, I believe you, God, I'm completely convinced that you're telling me the truth, but he had not built an ark, Noah was not a good enough swimmer, right? He would have drowned. Go on to read verse, um, what is it, 20, I believe. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that apart from faith, that faith apart, I'm sorry, faith apart from works is useless. So faith that does not result in obedient, dependent action, the Bible says it's dead, it's useless. All right, look again at verse 7. Let's, let's, let's hurry through here. Hebrews chapter 11, look at verse 7 again. By faith, again, that's key, by faith, so everything else that comes in the sentence comes by faith, all right? By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. All right, now, I, w- I want to focus for a second on that phrase, reverent fear. As I was looking at this passage uh, this week, I, I, man, I, I really struggled to try to get a tangible hold on what is the Bible saying there, okay? I realize what it's saying is that, that faith led Noah to a reverent fear. But what does reverent fear look like in you and I's life? We know that it's not the kind of fear that's afraid of something that's unpredictable or evil, okay? We're, I'm afraid of evil things. I'm afraid of evil people. I'm afraid of unpredictable things, you know? 
If, 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 if I'm out climbing a mountain and it's rumbling and has some lava spitting out the top, that spooks me a little, right? Uh, I'm afraid of tornadoes, you know, because they're, they're a little bit unpredictable. They don't, they don't tell you the path they're coming. They, they, they pop in and out where they want. So it's not that kind of fear because God is not unpredictable and he's not evil, okay? It is a reverent fear, Okay, a reverent fear. Okay, it's it's basically embracing that God is who He says He is, and that He'll do what He says He will do. Okay, and so who does God say that He is? Who does the Bible say that He is? The Bible says He is the Creator. He's the Sustainer. He's the glorious King, the Judge. That in Him, this is in the Book of Acts. In Him we live and move and have our being. Okay, are you are you getting a sense of awe? Okay, when you embrace that, that's who God is. When you embrace the, the spoken word of God, that the, the, his very word has sufficient power to form galaxies and to bring worlds into existence. That's what we learned early on in, in, in verse 3 of this chapter. Okay, When we're fully convinced that God is a consuming fire, that life and death are in his hands. Okay, that, that, that God is both good and merciful and loving, but also we believe Revelation 19, 15 through 16 that says that when Jesus comes, that he will slay the nations with the word of his mouth and he'll tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty and that on his robe and on his thigh he has a name that is written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You see, when you embrace that Jesus, that God, creator, king, judge, your life is in his hands. You live and move in him. Man, when you embrace that word about God, let me tell you what it does. Here's the way I would, here's the way I would, I would think of it. You will not treat him carelessly. I think that's what reverent fear is. Man, you, you don't treat him flippantly. You, you, don't treat, you don't trifle with him. You don't mess with him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a good definition of reverent fear is you don't approach God like he owes you something. You, you don't treat him like a vending machine that you can put your quarters in and demand your whims. And when you don't get the candy bar that you want, you shake the machine. Man, reverent fear does not approach God that way. Why? Because, man, we're saying, man, I believe what the Bible says about him. I believe that, man, he, he is creator, sustainer, judge, glorious king, and he's not to be trifled with, okay? I, I, I think that's what it means. Faith, faith embraces who God is from the scriptures, and the result of that is this deep and abiding seriousness in how you respond to him. Faith in God receives what the Bible says. He's a holy God. You know, if you go back to the story of the flood, Genesis chapter 6, Let's read just a little bit here, beginning in verse 5. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the, of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made him. Now, some of you might be struggling with it. You know, is God ever sorry? Did he, you know, does God have regrets? Did he make a mistake? No, 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 no. I believe that, that the Bible is using a, a, a form of literature. It uses a lot in the Old Testament that it makes a statement about God in human terms. Okay? We, it's trying to help us understand. Do you, do you ever, are, is something ever grieve you? You know, do you ever see something that grieves you deeply, deeply bothers you? Okay, the Bible wants you to understand that's how God feels about sin. It grieves the heart of God, and God's wrath will come upon sin. Okay, now, here's what really helped me. Here's a good way to think of reverent fear. What is reverent fear? I think this is it. Reverent fear is coming to God, realizing that there is nothing worse in all the universe than the wrath of God upon your life. 
Okay, did you get that? Because that was really helpful to me. I finally settled on that. What, what does it look like for me to have reverent fear? Reverent fear is me believing that God is who he says he is. And he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Believing that God is, is this holy God who, who is grieved by sin. And to be at odds with God, to be at odds with God is the worst thing in all the universe. Okay, now play that out in your mind. It's worse than your financial collapse, okay? You being at odds with God is worse than you losing everything you have financially, than you being bankrupt and penniless and having nothing, okay? Being at odds with God is worse than that, all right? Being at odds with God is worse than you getting fired. It's worse than cancer. It's worse than car accidents or betrayal or divorce or your kids failing at life. It's worse than tornadoes or tsunamis or hurricanes or airplanes that disappear over the ocean, okay? Nothing is worse than facing the wrath of God. And the Bible supports that wholeheartedly. And so faith, faith embraces these realities and says, man, I'm going to approach God with, with this ultimate reality that nothing is worse than being at odds with him. And the flip side of that, nothing is better. Oh, you hear this? Nothing is better than being his child, right? That. That, that's, that's coming to him in reverent fear. It's hearing the word of God and, and coming to God with the most, most important, cautious seriousness, okay? And Noah does exactly that. Now, in contrast to Noah, you've got the rest of his generation. And, and interestingly enough, what are they doing? Well, if you watch the movie Noah, which by the way, I'm, they have a different Bible maybe, um, they have no Bible, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but they really just flubbed it badly. Uh, if you watch the movie, what's the rest of, of, of the world doing? Well, they're trying to get in the ark, okay? They're, they're mounting an all-out ass assault against the rock people. Again, I don't know. I don't know. You know, an all-out assault against the rock people to get in the ark, okay? That's not what Jesus says. That's not what Genesis 6 says. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, but concerning, this is uh, Matthew 24, by the way, verse 36, but concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For is in those days before the flood, what were they doing? Eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. Now, you know what we know? We, we, what we know from, from Peter's writings and from, from other places in the, in the Scriptures, we know that Noah was a preacher of righteousness, okay, with his mouth and with his life, all right? So Noah's been preaching. He's been preaching. He's been giving the Word of God. He's been, been living out the Word of God in front of them. And, and what are they doing? They're doing the opposite of reverent fear. You know what the opposite of reverent fear is? They're doing nothing. Hey, it's a normal day. What do we got going today? Man, it's time to get the yard picked up, you know? It's time to, to go to soccer. It's time to go to the prom. It's time to, to uh, what, what are we doing? You know, it's time to spray the yard. It's time to do the dishes. Okay, you, you see, it's the opposite of reverent fear. They're going about business as usual. God, faithlessness treats God as nothing significant. But this fear, this reverent fear, this attitude of faith pressed Noah. It pressed him to make God the immediate thing in his life. Notice verse 7 again. 
By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark. And then notice this phrase, for the saving of his household. For the saving of his household. Now, let let me just say, unspoiler alert here. I I know I'm talking about this movie. Maybe nobody else saw it. I went to it. I was excited about it and, and, and deeply disappointed. But So here's an unspoiler alert. Okay, I would say spoiler alert, but they actually spoiled it, so I'm unspoiling it, all right? So in other words, I'm going to tell you about the movie here, but it's an unspoiler alert because it, it actually makes things right instead of, you know, ruining it for you. Okay, the, the guy that made the movie, he completely departs from the biblical story, and he makes basically the whole tension of the movie is, is the fact that that Noah's trying to get his boys on the ark without any women who can get pregnant, okay? Because Noah's, Noah's, Noah thinks his job is to kill everybody, including his family, so that the animals can have free reign. You know, that, that's the, it's, 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 yeah, it's all that, okay? Uh, now, first of all, completely wrong from the book of Genesis, all right? Genesis 7, verse uh, 7, and Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. His son already had, they already had wives. They, they were married already. They, they came on the ark. They were part of the whole process. So completely departing from the biblical story. Okay, but, but here, here's what I'm telling you from, from Genesis 11. Genesis 11, 7 says that by faith, Noah God, but through Noah's faith, saved his family. Right, now, 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 be careful. Be careful. I, I don't, don't think I'm saying something I'm not saying. You can't save anybody else. I can't save my five kids. I can't put faith inside of them. I try. I mean, I desperately try to put the word of God inside of them, and I want deeply for them to know Jesus as their king and to have the spirit of God living inside of them. Man, that is my greatest desire for my kids, okay? But I can't do that for them. Psalm 49, verse 7 says, Truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life for the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice. Only Jesus can ransom us. Okay? I can't do that for my kids. And so when I say Noah saved his family, I'm not saying you know, Noah, Noah's the one you know, by his own efforts saved his family. I'm not saying that. But, but, but what I am saying is that Noah's faith was pivotal in, in his own sons and their wives being saved from the flood. I mean, literally it was. Noah hears the word of God, begins to live out a life of faithfulness to God in response to the word of God, and his family is saved as a direct result of that. Okay, now how that all works out, I'm not trying to say I know that, but here's what I know, guys. If you want to keep your family from the worst thing that could ever happen, and if you want to give your family the best thing that could ever happen, that's reverent fear, then act in faith. Man, that's helpful for me as a dad. I think some of you guys, you just you got it on better than I do, man. You're you're just with the game, and you're, you know, you, I'm always like behind the game. You know, I'm I'm shooting baskets with Avery the other night, and I'm like, ah, I should have worked harder to get her into kids Inc. basketball. You know, we're we're the family, by the way, that we we think about signing up our kid like one month after the sign up. You know, we're we're that family. You know, I'm that's just me. You know, we're like, ooh. Hey, when is that? You know? And, uh, you know, and then I was like, man, I, I should have, you know, my kid's life's going to be ruined. I didn't get her into kid's life. You know? I mean, I'm thinking that. Really? I mean, dads, guys, do we do that? You know, I didn't get them into science camp. And, oh, man, I should have gave them art classes. And we should have worked on homework better. And now they're going to be ruined. You know? I mean, we have those feelings, right? We have, we have those, those feelings of, man, did, am I doing this right? Am I giving my kids what, what I ought to give them? You know what's a great comfort about Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7? I don't, I don't know 
good or bad, Noah, what kind of dad he was, but, but I know this. He heard the word of God and he responded in radical, immediate obedience to that word. And the result of that was that his sons and their wives were spared from God's judgment. Dads, here, here, here's my commitment. Man, I, I want to act in faith, okay? I, I mean, I, I may not know all the way, and, and I don't know what to put them in and, you know, what exactly. But here's what I want to do. At, to the best of my ability, I want to hear the word of God, and I, and I want to act on it, and I just want to trust God. I want to trust God that he'll work out the rest of that deal and, the, and that I will do the very best thing for my daughters and for my son by hearing the word of God and responding to the word of God. Just knowing that verse 6 is true, right? Remember, remember verse 6 last week? Without faith, it's impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And God is a rewarder. That's part of faith. Part of faith is being convinced that God won't let me down, man. I'm never going to get to the end of this deal and be like, ah, why, why, why did I focus on God so much, you know? I, I, I should have I been a better card player, you know? I mean, why, why, did I, why did I give my life to Jesus? I mean, nobody's ever going to do that. Nobody ever, ever will do that. Nobody will ever regret Having, having trusted and followed God because God is a rewarder of those who seek him. Man, he will not let you down. That's what that's saying. God will not let you down. Follow him, trust him. He won't let you down. And he didn't let Noah down. Remember uh, when Jesus said in the Beatitudes, what did he say? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And that happened with Noah. Like literally, didn't it? You know? I mean, everybody else lost. And there's one guy that come, opens the door of the ark after a long, long time in there, and he steps out into the fresh air. I mean, that had to have been something, right? I mean, a year of poo, and you step out in the fresh air. Whew. He steps out, and literally, the earth belongs to him. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You know, just being honest, there's a price to pay for faith, isn't there? Look at verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, condemned. I'm sorry, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned. That's what I want to say. He condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Man, if there was ever a guy that knew what it was to stand alone, it was Noah. I, I know some of you feel that in your workplace. I eat lunch with you and you tell me that. Man, you feel like you're standing alone. Man, no, that was Noah. And, and you know, Noah was a living sermon. With every, with every plank that Noah puts up, he's condemning the world. What, what do I mean by that? Well, by Noah's faith, basically he's saying, look, guys, God says it's going to happen. Everybody in here is going to be saved. Everybody out here is going to be lost. And, and, and with every, every trip to the lumber yard, with every package of nails, with every brush of pitch, with every constructing of the ark for decade after decade, Noah is living out the gospel that says everybody in here is saved, everybody out there is going to be lost. And by your life, your life should say that very same thing. Your life should be a testimony that says everybody in Christ is going to be saved. Everybody outside of Christ is going to be lost. That's the gospel story of the ark. 
The ark's a picture of Jesus, by the way. Did you know that? To be in Christ is to be rescued from the wrath of God. To be outside of Christ is to perish no matter what. By faith, Noah condemned the world. And finally, last thing here. It says, by faith, he became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. The righteousness that comes by faith. Was Noah perfect? Is that that why he was saved? Um, No. No, I don't think he was. In fact, when when you read about what happened after the ark, Noah had a little trouble with wine. Um goofed, made a mistake, um, got drunk. It's a bad deal. Uh, Noah's not a perfect guy. But we're not saved by our works, are we? We're saved by our faith connection to God through Jesus Christ. Noah became an heir of righteousness, the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah believed God. Noah trusted God. Now, did he live a righteous life? I believe that the evidence of, of the scripture shows Noah had a practical righteousness. His deeds matched up, but was he perfect? No. Was that how he was saved by his works? No. He was saved by his faith because his righteousness comes by faith. There's an interesting, uh, I'm going back to the movie again. One of the interesting things about uh, the movie and the biblical account is that in the movie, Noah's trying to keep people out of the ark. <laughs> uh, he's, he's Russell Crowe, so he's also the gladiator, you know. Noah, gladiator, they're both, you know. He's got an axe. And uh, as people are trying to get in the ark, you know, he's chopping them down to keep them out of the ark. But it's interesting, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a detail in, in the Genesis 6 account that's, I think, incredibly important. It says when Noah and his family got in the ark, it says God shut the door. God shut the door. You see, this was God's salvation. Noah believed. Noah preached. Noah got in. And and then God did the rest. My friends, I want to see the unseen reality of God's judgment as clearly as Noah did. I want to see that. I want to live that. You know, God's going to shut the door, guys. There's going to be a day where Jesus is going to come back, and that's what Matthew 24 says. If you're not in Christ, it's going to be over for you. You know, ask yourself this question. First of all, do I believe? Do I believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that he's going to do what he says he's going to do? Do Do I believe what the scriptures say? And then if the answer to that is yes, Okay, if the answer to that is yes, I want you to ask this next question. What are you building? What are you building? What are you building? Not an ark, not a boat. God's not going to do that again. He tells us that, okay? But what, what kind of life are you building, and how are you building it? You know, What are you doing today to build a life that responds in faith? For Noah, it was really clear. Lumber, nails, construction, blueprints, Okay, for us, what's that going to look like in your life? What, what are you building in response to your faith in God? Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for uh, the example of Noah. And God, I thank you, Father, that, uh, that there was a man who believed you. There was a man who trusted you. God, there was a man who knew that you're not a liar and that, that what you say is true. 
Father, we want to be those men in our generation. We want, to, we, want to be, we, want, we want the ladies of Lincoln Avenue to be those ladies in this generation. We want our students to be those students in this generation who, who are convinced that, that you're not lying, that everything you say is true, that you're completely dependable. And God, we want to be people who respond to the word. So God, bring us to a point of obedience here this morning. God, immediate, wholehearted, not halfway, but all in obedience. Lord, we trust that, that you're a rewarder of those who seek you, and we want to seek you today. So, Father, help us. In Jesus' name, amen.